Welcome in to the Free Retiree Show, where we help you transform your life so you can become financially free. In this show, we'll give you the inside track on how to excel in your career, filter out the noise surrounding your finances to help you make smart financial decisions, and we'll learn from thought and business leaders who can help you live your best life. Thank you for tuning into the show. I'm your host, Wealth Manager, Lee Michael Murphy. I'm alongside my two partners in crime, Career Advisor Sergio Patterson. What's up? And Attorney... Matt McElroy. Hey, how's it going? Great. All right, guys, I got some outstanding news for you guys. It's been officially two weeks, and we have not been banned <laughs> from the internet. Surprising. That's very, very surprising. I know. I, I thought we would have been banned by now, but things are good. I just want to start off by saying uh, we've got a ton of support from our listeners, and it's been just awesome to hear all the great feedback people have had for us. Uh, we really appreciate all the support we're getting. So if you guys like the show, super important, subscribe to us, like us, share us. Uh, we can't begin to tell you guys how much we appreciate all the support that we're getting. So since the last show, did you guys get any interesting feedback from any of the listeners? Uh, yeah, I think we got quite a bit, actually. I was, I was surprised, and it was, you know, I think we got a lot of value from it. Yeah, we got a ton of good feedback, good, bad, ugly, um, mostly positive, which was which was awesome. Um I think for, for the career stuff, people are super interested in the Silicon Valley, but one thing I think a lot of people mentioned was around making sure that we were clear with like who we, who we were speaking to, and I think a lot of the things that I'm going to get into is, is valid, not just in the tech world, um, but for anybody in any industry. Um, so that was, that was key, and then uh, you know some people didn't like some of our jokes, but uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if I agree with that, but whatever. Whatever. They'll improve, they'll improve <laughs> as we go. Turn, turn us off. <laughs> I'm fine with that. All right. So, uh, yeah, I got some good feedback, too. I got some interesting feedback from a female listener. Said, hey, you, you guys, you boys like to talk a lot of sports, but make sure you throw in some entertainment. So I was like, all right, we could do that. So starting now, it won't be all sports. I'll throw in some entertainment in there. Yeah. I'll start us off by saying you boys are like uh, the Steph Curry and Clay Thompson to my Steve Kerr. You guys like that? I don't like that. Well, how joking. about you're the Courtney and Chloe Kardashian <laughs> to my Kim Kardashian? That's a little weird. That is a little weird, huh? All right, maybe we get maybe we're not meant for the entertainment thing. All right, so, all right, so we got a not, great not, not our target audience. <laughs> 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 all right, we so we got a great agenda today for you guys. So uh, for our featured content, we're, we're going to be talking about is how does college translate to career success? Serge is going to be leading us through that. This is something that we've heard our whole lives. If you don't get into the best college, your life is ruined. You have no opportunities in life, right? So Serge is going to be looking at that and saying, like, what does the data show us? Is this actually true? Does it help, you know, slightly to get into these great colleges? How does it help? And I will be talking about how to make college affordable. How do you avoid the terrible things like debt? We have a $1.5 trillion student debt crisis. It is far surpassed credit card debt. It is an issue. You're going to hear it in the election coming up. It's going to be something that is going to be on everyone's mind. But we have to figure out how we're going to avoid that problem. How are you going to afford college? And parents, if you're trying to plan for your kids and you want to make an impact in, life, in their lives, how do you pay for their college or help them get a head start? All right, so let's go into our hot topics. And we're going to be talking about the circus in the NFL also known as the Antonio Brown saga. So for you guys that don't know, this guy has been widely regarded as probably the best wide receiver in probably the last decade in the NFL. He's a longtime Pittsburgh Steeler, and for a very, very brief amount of time, he was an Oakland Raider. And uh, have you guys heard much about this? Yeah, What's your guys' thoughts? It's all over the place lately. Yeah, it's, it's all over the news. Uh so I knew Antonio Brown was crazy when I saw him on TV with a blonde mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that, but yeah. That there, there's, some, there's some mental, uh, mental issues going on there. It's <laughs> a big <laughs> red flag. <laughs> you know, when, when the Steelers agreed to trade the best receiver in the league, you got to wonder why. The, yeah. ra the Raiders yeah, saw that. I think, point. Lee, you're going to go through the timeline, but uh, there's some mental stuff going on for sure. Yeah, so I'll give you guys a little bit of the background behind, uh, behind Antonio Brown. So the 31-year-old wide receiver, he played college for Central Michigan University, where he earned All-American honors in 2008-2009 as a punt returner, a sixth-round pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2010, 
Brown has amassed more receptions and more receiving yards than any other player since he's entered the league. So what's really impressive about this guy is he's a sixth-round pick, right? So he's, I mean, I respect the fact that he has done as well as he has because most of the time, if you're not in the first round or one of the top picks in the first round, you're out of the NFL pretty much in the couple years. So this guy has really done well for himself in terms of playing football. In 2019, he was traded to the Oakland Raiders, who made him the highest-paid receiver in the league, all right? So I got to go over what's been going on in the last couple months because, you know, it's amazing the headlines this guy has gotten in the last two months. But uh, to put it all in perspective for the listeners, I'll give you a quick rundown. So on July 25th, this guy shows up to practice with frostbite on his feet from a chirotherapy session where he didn't wear the proper footwear. And I know there's a lot of Antonio Brown fans who are like, oh, that can happen to anyone. He, anyone can get that on your feet. Hey, if you're a professional athlete, you, you should know better. You're, his you his feet paid, are pretty important. His yeah, but like you get paid millions of dollars to be an athlete, which means you take care of your body and you work out. Yes. So I don't, I don't give him a pass for that. Well, and not, not even to mention the people that are running the cryotherapy chamber. Like, why aren't they saying something like put some slippers on before you go? In yeah, there? so just kind of a weird excuse here. So and then July 26th, he shows up to practice. Now, this is very practical, everyone. He shows up to practice in a freaking hot air balloon. And then he doesn't show up to meetings. He gets fined. Thank God someone fined him. And then July 30th, he plays the first half of practice, and he leaves early. And he doesn't return for two weeks and says, oh, he's got to go get treatment for his feet. But he does this while he's protesting the ban of his football helmet. So apparently the NFL looked at his helmet and said, hey, you got a helmet that's no longer safe enough or up to our standards, so you, have, you can't wear it. And he was threatening retirement over this helmet. September 4th, Brown is fined by GM Mike Maylock for missing practice, having unexcused absences. Then, check this out. He goes to Instagram. He posts the fine. And then I'll leave you with this. This is what he says in quotes. When your own team want to hate, but there's no stopping me now, devil is a lie, period. Everyone got to pay this year, so we clear. End quote. Well, uh, this this topic today is going to be about importance of education, so that's that's one <laughs> that's point for well education written, right yeah. there. Um, <laughs> September 5th, he cursed out his manager. He was held back by his teammates, threatened to punch the GM in the face. September 6th, he issues an apology. September 7th, they release him because they fined him for the GM incident, with a, and they gave him a $219,000 fine. And this fine was very important because what it did, it was it voided out his guaranteed contract money. He had $29.125 million that was voided out because of the fine. He didn't want to pay or he didn't want to play without the guarantees. So he signed with New England. He goes to the internet, talks about his all his exploits that he's done and how it makes him so smart. He brags about his new contract with this helmet. And then September 10th happens and sexual assault allegations from his former trainer, Brittany Taylor. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of a mess. You know, he's, <clears throat> right now, anyway, he's not in criminal court. So, you know, they're going to be diff- dealing with different burdens. And uh, in criminal, everybody knows it's a reasonable doubt, which is, you know, like 99%. And in civil court, it's just going to be a much less burden that they got to meet. And it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Because, you know, more than likely, these kind of situations, they just go away in the settlement. Yeah. There, there's a clear pattern here, guys. Like, this guy just does not make good decisions. <laughs> I know Obviously. these are just accusations, but it's like the helmet, the frostbite, now it's sexual assault. Like what's Oh yeah, you got to read the complaint next? in the sexual assault. It's it's pretty twisted shit going on it? there. Oh, that I, I guess he was, you know, the victim was attacked while they were watching a religious video or something. Of course. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this is something I read from a news story, so I, I haven't read it actually. In college, out of the they were like in the same Bible study. Or exactly. Something. Yeah, that's yeah. how they met. Yeah. That's wild. Well, you know what's ha- you know what's crazy is that I, I don't know this is actually alleged in the complaint or not for sure because I read in a news story, but she supposedly was attacked twice, and then called him to rekindle the the trainer relationship, and so then it happened again a third time. So it's just you know there's a lot of weird background there, but he I mean he's obviously a weird dude. So yeah, well let's look at the financial impact of what this guy's done for himself. He he becomes the highest paid wide receiver, right? He gets this contract for three years, fifty million. 
to be specific, fifty million one hundred twenty-five thousand and thirty mil on one hundred twenty-five thousand guaranteed. Wait, how right? many years was that contract for that? For three. Three years. Okay. Wow. That's a pretty lucrative contract. Thirty mil was guaranteed. Yeah. Wow. So he has his whole thing with the Oakland Raiders. But as you were saying that 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 uh, sanction or penalty that he got voided that guarantee, right? Yeah. Yeah. He ended up shooting himself in the foot. So then he brags about this new New England contract, and it was about uh, 10.5 was his guarantee. He would have probably got around 15 mil with the bonuses. That's what I've heard. For one year? One year. One year. Yeah, one year. And he was acting like, oh, look at my calculated move with my helmet, my new contract. And one thing that I wanted to point out is, you know, this guy's in his 10th season in the NFL. He's a highly gifted player, but, you know, average lifespan – NFL career lifespan is a little over two years, yeah, right? A couple of years. Yeah. I mean, so this guy, I mean, he's acting like he's going to play forever and whatever. I mean, if you're a 30-year-old wide receiver in the NFL, you take the big money, you take that contract with a long time on it, so you get paid. Yeah, I mean, anything not, can happen. He he's can, not going to run a 4-2 forever. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. could have gone out there and broken his knee and – he would have lost out on a lot of money because no one's going to want a 30-year-old wide receiver that's got a major injury. And that can totally happen when you get to that age. But isn't, isn't it just really a, a calculated risk on his part? Because if he has a you know an awesome season, then that next year's contract is going to be huge. It's not going to yeah. be bigger than what it was. I mean, I would highly doubt it. Like, How much more can he get? He's already, the fa- it's, he's already got the biggest paycheck out there. Yeah, part of me was thinking this was an actually like a pretty smart career move for this guy going from Oakland and ending up on the best team. So think of it in a corporate world. You go from, like, the worst company to to Google. But, Lee, if you continue on in the timeline, we'll quickly realize that, like, this does not end well for Antonio Brown. Yes. So he gets that contract. The rape allegations come. And now New England has released him. I think in total he's going to get around 143000 and now he doesn't have a team. So look at that. He started out with potentially $50 million over three years, and now he's going to get 143000 from New England. So, I mean, Serge, what's your take on everything that's happening? I mean, I'm not good at math, but that's 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 not very good. You got $30 million guaranteed, and, and uh, now he's got $158,000. Uh, latest news I'm seeing on ESPN is that there are teams interested – but but do you pick that up? Do you want that? I, I don't know. I mean, he's a talented guy, but I think he's going to be a circus. It's going to be a headache. Hey, but you know, any yeah. team that maybe wants that extra publicity, you know, that th- you know, yeah. ticket sales are low or whatever, could be it's, a good move. It's about winning in the NFL. Well, and it's yeah. about getting attention too. Yeah. You know, and and but I here's think the, he does that for sure. He does do that. But here's the thing: like, I think that his ego has been a detriment to him. He yeah, thinks he's sure. been the man and he can do whatever. And now his value is going down. So I think that's a really good lesson. And like, yeah. you know, you might think you're the shit. You think you're the best person out there and you could do all these things, but eventually people will say enough's enough. Right. So I think right now his stock is going down. Yep. I don't think he's going to end up getting paid the money he was going to get. And that's because of the actions he's had and the actions that he's done. And people don't, view him as a reliable teammate anymore yeah I, th- I think at best he gets like a minimum contract somewhere he's not getting no 10 15 million guaranteed no way matt so about the sexual assault allegations do you think he's in trouble oh i, I think he's probably definitely gonna pay something i mean because it's like you know it, i mean i you know maybe it turns on how big a contract he gets but you know i I think his lawyer will probably advise him that it's probably better to pay some of these things to go away than fight them for the full life of the case and have everything thrown out there in the public and, you know, be scrutinized. It can get really, really ugly. And who, who knows what, you know, his defense is going to be. I mean, it could be something ridiculous and he could be blaming them or, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen. But and that's the thing is, you know, this guy's kind of a loose cannon as far as mentally, it seems like. So, you know, I, I, I would advise him make this go away and get your shit together. Yeah. So he's in a bit of trouble, I'd yeah. say. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But that's that's interesting. So on to our next topic. On a sad note, in the Bahamas there was a hurricane, and it was one of the worst hurricanes on record. Winds of 185 miles an hour and tied for the second strongest winds on record, based off sustained winds over a minute. 
And as of September 16th, it has killed at least 51 people, but roughly 1,300 were still missing. So this has been probably one of the deadliest uh, hurricanes on record. AIR Worldwide has estimated insurance companies will be on the hook between $1.5 and $3 billion in payouts. Uh Man, super sad news. Uh, one thing that I wanted to say is, uh, you know, people on social media, uh, I love how we give, you know, the thoughts and the prayers. But also, you know, if, you know, you guys feel passionately enough about this, you should donate. Uh, a good uh, charity to donate to is allhandsandhearts.org. Uh, that's one that I've seen that seems to be a legit uh, way to help the people, the victims of the hurricane. Um, but yeah, it's super sad. Um, you guys got any take on this? Yeah, man. I actually, uh, two of my dad's sisters lived in the Bahamas years ago. So I have memories of as, as a kid growing up in Bahamas or not growing up, but mm-hmm. going there as a, um, as a kid in the summertime and it's a great place. Um, people were great, very welcoming, welcoming. So it was just like really sad that this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your point, man, like everyone out there, if you're passionate about this, donate, donate money. People need it. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, hurricanes are the most costly natural disaster. This one, as I said, it's going to probably be between 1.5 and $3 billion, which might seem like a lot. But actually, I'll read you guys of disasters since the 1980s. Number five is Hurricane Irma, which was in 2017 for $52 billion. There's Hurricane Sandy in 2012 for $73.5 billion. And then we have Hurricane Maria, which was about $93.6 billion. Hurricane Harvey, $130 billion. And number one costliest disaster is Hurricane Katrina in 2005, which was $167.5 billion. Uh, with these natural disasters, if you guys don't take anything away from this show uh, today, you should take away one thing in particular. Uh, natural disasters... They happen, right, no matter where you live. You know, California, we have to think about earthquakes. Over there on the East Coast, you got to think about the hurricanes. Uh, If you have a basic insurance policy, understand that most of these do not cover natural disasters, right? So you need to look at your insurance and stop thinking about, oh, I saved 15% on my insurance, and it's just so wonderful that I saved this extra money. Insurance isn't meant to save you money. Insurance isn't meant to protect you. <laughs> Whose voice is that, dude? I don't know. I just thought of the <laughs> schnizziest person I could think of. But, you know, you hear this all the time, like, oh, I'm paying too much for my insurance. Eh. You know what? Yeah. You save 15%, but now guess what? You might be coming 100% out of pocket. So just my little rant about, you know, how you need to view insurance. Stop looking at it as like a savings tool and look at it for protection, which is what it is supposed to be, Right. So that's that's my take on that. Sit down with your insurance professional, review your coverages, and make sure you're good. All right. Yeah, that's great advice. What about uh, if you're renting a house? If you if you're if renting you, a house, yeah, yeah. If you don't own, like, if you're just renting, I think I have renters insurance. Um, yeah, renters yeah, insurance is extremely important. Oh yeah, that's definitely huge. Yeah. So what you want to do is you want to make sure with your policy, there's either replacement value policies or there's cash value policies. So the replacement value, that's going to give you the money you need to buy a new item. That's the best stuff. Then they have cash value policies, and it takes depreciation into account. And so you're not going to probably get as much. So that's what you need to know. But the thing is, you have a lot of important things in your house, right? So you have computers and TVs and refrigerators and very expensive items, right? That's that's what your renter policy is going to have. So everyone should have it some sort of protection. Also, you have to think about liability, right? Say you have a party, you know, at your house and someone slips and falls. There could be a lawsuit there. You want to have something that protects you, right? So, yeah, very important stuff. Uh, another thing that I would say besides having the proper insurance protection, everyone needs to have an emergency fund, right? Three to six months of, ca- of your expenses in cash, right? Because if you have an emergency and you don't have that money sitting there, you're going to go to credit cards. And you're going to get in a ton of credit card debt. So a uh, big tip today that I can give you guys, protect yourselves from these natural disasters that could potentially happen at any time. Review the insurance policy that you have. Make sure it protects you. And 
have a proper emergency fund in place. That's all I'll say on that. So going into our market overview, so over the last couple weeks, things have actually been pretty solid. And the main reason behind that is because the U.S.-China trade talks, they're back on. Things seem to be progressing. However, on a little bit of a sour note, there's been reports that have come out that say that retail bankruptcies and store closures are on the rise. And this is actually due to what happened in our holiday season. I don't know if you guys remember, but back last year, between October 2nd, in January 3rd, the market was in a volatile period, and it actually went down 16%. Sure. And that really affected the retail store traffic, and that's starting to show its face now. Well, yeah, I just read an article about GameStop. I don't know if you saw that, but GameStop's oh, You closing. mean Blockbuster 2.0? Exactly. They're closing. <laughs> you, you, wow. You remember GameStop, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I, used to, I used to work right across from one. Dude, they're closing 180 stores or something, something crazy. This must be related. I mean, I yeah. think it put out i think it exposed them yeah in their business model yeah but let's be honest it had a lot of similarities <laughs> to blockbuster yeah it was like a it's blockbuster sad though. For I, video I, games. I love gamestop i love i love going in there place, and man. picking up my madden 2004 that i dominated you did dominate me in that oh, dominate everybody in madden dude i was a madden oh. champ for you guys that don't know career advisor sergio he's a beast with the with the with the remote when when playing Madden, yeah, Madden and FIFA, get at me. He's he is actually. Wait, hold on. Did you guys say two thousand four? It's a long wow, time. We ago. just exposed our age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> on the global front, currencies have taken a big hit. That's because of the trade war, right? And the reason that's happening is because all these countries outside the U.S. are kind of suffering, and they're slashing their interest rates to kind of stimulate their economic growth. And what's happening is investors are looking at that and they're starting to bet against them. And it always makes the currency a little bit less attractive because investors are looking for yield. And that has led to a strong U.S. economy, a strong U.S. dollar. Uh, Also recently, Saudi oil fields were attacked. But the prime minister of oil there says that oil production should be back to normal by the end of the month. But that will affect a lot of Californians because cool and interesting fact 21% 21% of California's oil comes from Saudi Arabia. Wow. So expect to pay quite a bit more at the pump. Wait, I'm already paying like four bucks a gallon. Dude. Well, you're going to pay a little bit more. Yeah, doesn't money. it generally kind of go up in the winter a little anyway? Well, it's going to go up even more. Even more right now. Uh, housing. Housing starts, housing sales, pretty flat. And that goes right in line with auto sales. They have also plateaued. But on a positive note, retail overall appears to be pretty healthy and growing at annualized 3% for the third quarter. It'd be interesting to see the what retail is actually growing more online or stores. You know, I, I feel like online is still growing more than the actual in-store. I mean, it's, it's the Amazon effect, dude. I could go on my app right now, buy whatever <laughs> I want, and it'll be at my house in two days. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's, it's just too easy is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it stinks because I'm all about like, oh, we got to support the small business and the stores and I always find myself going on Amazon, yeah, but that is the Amazon effect, Yeah, right? Hey, but one cool interesting fact, though, is if you look at countries outside the U.S., there's been studies that they're actually two decades behind, so mall traffic is actually pretty robust in countries like Mexico. So in the U.S., it's it's pretty harsh, but in other countries outside, it's actually you know doing quite well. But in the U.S., definitely kind of an issue. And that's all I got for our market overview. So we're going to go to the break. And when we'll be back, we're talking college. Serge is going to look at it, say if it impacts your career in a positive or negative way. And I'll be talking about how to afford it. Stay tuned. And we're back. 
We're talking college, how it impacts your career, and how you can afford it. So, Sergio, yeah, you have worked at some of the best companies in the world, right? I have. How do you think your college performance and where you went to college has impacted your career? Uh, not at all. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. Before we get into it, man, I just I wanted to start by just getting really real with each of you and learn a little bit about each of your guys' experience with college, going to college, paying for college. Do a quick round the room. So, so Matt, I want to start with you, man. Like, talk to us a little bit about your college experience, how you paid for it, what you still leverage today from college, and just general sense. Just my my general overview. Uh, yeah, well, I, I right out of high school, I went to West Valley, and I went there for about three years, and then I transferred to San Jose State and got my uh, degree in business marketing. And then after that, I didn't really know what I wanted to do for a while. I took a couple years off and uh, kind of just figured it out, and then I went back to law school. And then then, then after law school, it was the bar exam, and now nice. I'm being a lawyer. How'd you pay for it all? Um, in... For West Valley, I paid for it myself because it was it was relatively cheap. I mean, I, it was really cheap. I'm talking so West Valley three to four hundred dollars a junior semester. college, right? Yeah, at, at the time I was going anyway, it was like two thousand or uh, two thousand three to two thousand six. And then yeah, San Jose State. Uh, my parents helped me a little bit, but I paid for a good deal of it. And then uh, law school, I was lucky enough to be able to pay. I I had a really good job bartending, and I was able to pay for the first two years. And I kind of ran out of money, and I went to go get loans. And my grandma actually stepped in. I had no clue she was going to do this, and she stepped in and, and helped me pay for it. So me and her kind of teamed up and did it together. And I got through with no loans at all, which was huge. That's amazing. So I wish we had more stories about that because a lot of this topic is, you know, Lee and I, we're going to talk about the, the student debt crisis. We'll talk about going to, you know, the fancy schools that cost a lot. Um, but, Lee, do you want to share with the listeners your experience with college? Yeah, my college was pretty boring, to be honest. I mean, I went to San Jose State. I only applied to San Jose State. Uh, <laughs> interesting fact about myself, probably the only regret I actually ever have is regarding college because I applied to only one college and had a high school girlfriend at the time that was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to be married. That was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Oh, my God. Uh, but you know, when you're young and dumb, you don't even know any better. You don't know anything about yourself, but yeah. So I just went there and I lived at home and commuted. But at the time, uh, I worked part time, but my parents pretty much, you know, helped me with my tuition. But at the time it was only $800, I believe. It was yeah, like state has gone up like crazy. It's crazy. Wow. But when I went back in the day when there was horses and carriages on campus, <laughs> it was $800 a semester. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was amazing. around what it was when I was there too. I think my last semester it was it came, became like fifteen to eighteen hundred dollars a semester. Or something. Yeah, it went up pretty fast while you're there, but it was dirty but cheap. No, now I heard it's it's like I don't even know. I think it's like seven or eight thousand dollars a semester. Yeah, it's some, ridiculous, something ridiculous. Man. So, yeah, that that's great. I appreciate you sharing that, man. So I think your initial question was like the idea of where you go to school, the grades you get, and does that translate to career success? I can share a little bit about my kind of my background. I was never a great student. I was always average. Um, knew a lot of kids who were straight-A students. Know a lot of kids who went to great schools. And I could tell you for a fact that the school you went to and being a great test taker, it's not going to help you. It's not going to like translate to you being the best in the corporate world or at, at these different companies. What really gets you there is working hard, being able to connect with people, and... And really just being like honest with yourself. It's like, I don't know how long ago we were in college, but it was a long time ago. And most of that was video games and drinking. <laughs> so we did a little research and like, there's actually a Google VP like, that, that literally said grades mean nothing to, to career success. Mm -hmm. And the point of that is really just, they moved away from hiring from those top schools like the Harvard and the Yale. Oh yeah, when, when attorneys come in and we interview attorneys, we we don't we don't give a shit what their grades were. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. even it doesn't come matter. up, you know? Like it's like in, in you know, schools do matter sometimes, you yeah. know what I mean? Cuz if you're coming from a, a top 25 school, of course you're going to get to the top of the pile yeah. a little quicker, but yeah. it's just it's just a foot in the door. You have to yeah. you have to perform at the interview and be relatable and 
and hit yeah. all those points that you were just talking about. Yeah, that's a good point, man. Like, I think what college did for me was got me an interview for yeah. my first job out of school. Because you came from a good school. I mean, yeah, I went, I, I went to a private school. And for me, I, had to took, I took out loans on myself. My parents took out loans that, that they're still paying back. I recently paid off some of my loans. If I could do it again, I would have gone to San Jose State just like you guys. Uh, I think, you know, I went to a private school and, you know, Lee, you'll get into this a little bit, but ki- like people out there listening, like really be intentional about the school you go to, how much you're paying, understand the loans, because at the end of the day, it's not worth it. And, you know, having that brand name school, like, I don't know how much that translate actually into your long-term success. So I got a couple questions for you guys. It's a two-parter, right? Yeah. So how did college prepare you for your career? And then the second part, how do you think it failed you? Dude, the biggest thing for me, I'll start with how it failed me. Like, I wish, th- I wish they would have, I wish there was like a financial, like, understanding debt and credit in college. Absolutely. Before you get into the workforce. Mm-hmm. Like, I learned nothing about that in college. And... You know, I, I remember I got out of college. I was like, oh, I'm gonna get a credit card, put a down payment on a car, and <laughs> just like, <laughs> you have no idea. Like, you know, your yeah. parents might help you a little bit, but like, you have no education has no uh, financial background. There's no financial classes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, my four year didn't didn't do anything for me. You know, it, it was just more like taught you to, you know, work towards a goal pretty much. And then law school. I mean, law school was cool in a lot of ways because it, it was really difficult as far as the amount of material you had to, to learn in such a short period of time and, and how you had to like regurgitate it. But as far as practice in the real world, it's, it's really almost nothing. Like it, I, I've, it's like I, right when I became a lawyer, I had to learn a whole new world. You know I mean? They didn't teach you any of the practical knowledge. Yeah. It's, I mean, one of the reasons why I'm really good at video games is that's all I did in college. <laughs> 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 well, this is kind of funny, but I asked you guys a two-part question. You guys both answered <laughs> how it failed you, but you guys didn't answer oh. the part about how uh, it helped okay. you. It got me a job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car because they admit the minimum that's a, requirement. That's a fail, but go ahead. Continue. Minimum requirement was a <laughs> college degree, but there is nothing I learned in college that I'm using today in my job uh, at Facebook. Yeah, sa- I mean, same here. I mean, it, it got my foot in the door to get a good job. And, and it's, you know, the one thing that law school did do for me is it, it, it really – improved my issue spotting because that's what you do a lot in law schools you read fact patterns and you pick legal issues out of them and so that that did help like i you know that was a huge help but other than that not a ton i I will say though if if you're a high school if you're in high school right now and you know you want to be an engineer or like you know you want to major in computer science that experience might be different because you're going to be taking engineering classes in college that could actually translate to your job at whatever tech company or if you like but for me Leaving high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah, no, so me I had a very <laughs> different college experience than somebody who really knows what they're going to college for. But who really does at that young of an age? You know what I mean? Like it, I didn't know what I wanted to do till I applied to law school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I graduated with my four year. I still didn't know what the hell to do. Yeah, neither did I. I'll tell you, like from what I gained from college, I can tell you easily. Uh, it taught me one thing that I can't make excuses. I had this class as a freshman and this professor had an 11 o'clock deadline and he's like you got to submit this by 11 p.m. this quiz and I tried to submit it at 10.50 and my internet was down I was like oh it's down I'll just tell the guy when I see him next time I went up to him and I was like "Uh, professor uh, my internet was down but I'll get you that quiz you know when I can and he's like it's okay he's like you'll have other quizzes that you can do I was like what (laughs) <laughs> like, what What do you mean? I I, I get I get this quiz into you. And he's like, no, no, no. So, so you mean I get a zero? And, and then he just kind of looked at me. He's like, yeah. That was probably the most valuable lesson I actually learned from college. It's actually hands down pretty much the most valuable thing I learned because you just nice. – it teaches you a different level of responsibility that yeah. you didn't have in high school that, hey, you're responsible for your shit. I'm just, just curious. Do, do you remember what grade you got in that class? Yeah, probably get it. Probably get an A minus or a B plus. It was just a quiz, but it taught me like, you know, that you know, you have to get your stuff done. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. Now that I really think about it, like it does show being able to complete four years of school at you know, your seventh eighteen, nineteen, twenty, it does show discipline. Yeah. So I think 
one thing I also learned was discipline and making sure I got all my my stuff done. At the same time, I'm like 19, like we're partying and having a good time. But um, yeah, I think college, is, it, you can get some discipline for sure. But, you know, lo- looking in the rear view mirror now, having, you know, real jobs and everything, it's so much harder, right? <laughs> in your life in college, college was sweet. Oh, no worries. Yeah, yeah, no, no real responsibilities. Like, Just hanging out. Yeah. Here, here's an interesting study, though, guys, I found. Came from Princeton, right? And what it did is it took high school students. They got good grades, good SAT scores, and they end up applying to these elite level colleges. Half of the students that got accepted went to the college. The other half went to JCs and state schools to save on cost. After they graduated, the study tracked their success after they left school. What the study found was there was absolutely no difference between the kids that went to the prestigious universities and the kids that did not. Absolutely no difference. Hmm. Which I thought was really interesting because it's like you spend all this money on this prestigious university and you think it's going to get you somewhere. And then it, you know, this study shows that it doesn't. It was all about who you were before and that's it. Well, I think that's the main thing is that, you know, know, it doesn't really matter where you go to school. You get the degree. It, it gives you what you need to go take the path that you want to take. Yeah. And it's on you to do that. It's on the individual now. Cause everybody can get a degree now. It's like, you know, the, the Ivy league schools and all that used to be like untouchable. And it's like, you know, it's not, it's just not the same anymore. It's on the person. All these other people don't, some of them don't even have degrees and they're doing startups and all this stuff. It's like, you know, that stuff just isn't as important. It's, it's just more of a opens the door for you. And it's on that. It's on you as a, yeah. to do it, you know? Yeah. I agree hundred percent. And I think, it's probably a good segue, man, to just to talk about this crazy financial student debt crisis. Yeah, it's insane. So right now, as you guys know, if you're turning on the news, the big discussion right now is what our country is going to do about all the student debt. We It sucks because we literally have kids that have their lives almost ruined moving forward. You can't take a bankruptcy on this stuff. It stays with you forever. There's kids that you know had great intentions – to get a great education are now stuck with these huge, this huge burden over their head and it might affect their lives forever. Right. So you go to school. What's, what's ironic about this whole thing is you go to school to better yourself, to have a good career. And the very thing that's helping you is destroying you. Yeah. yeah it's, it's scary, man. I mean, there's, I don't know the exact number, but I want to say it's, Billions, if not trillions, of student it's debt. Right now, one point five trillion. Trillion, right? Okay. Has exceeded credit card debt by a trillion. Like it's insane. And it haunts you forever. So yeah. when when are we gonna bail these kids out, man? What are your thoughts there? I I think that there's gonna be some relief coming. I think everyone in Congress agrees something needs to be done. But the problem is the student loans. Like we want to take care of these debts for these kids, but the, where the issue lies is that the fact that we're giving out these student loans to kids that shouldn't have them. The system needs to be changed. These kids should be able to apply for this and ruin their lives. It's very similar, in my opinion, maybe some will disagree, it's very similar to the 2008 housing crisis. Everyone could apply and get a housing loan. You could be homeless and be like, oh, no money down on a house. Look how that ended. And now you have some things that are very eerily similar with the student loan thing. And the reason it's so expensive, everyone's like, oh, student loans are amazing. They give you opportunity. No, money is more easily accessible, which builds up the cost of going to school. They are indeed the problem, not just the debt the debt part, but the whole overall cost is from student loans because the money is readily available. Students or schools can keep charging whatever they want. Yeah, there needs to be more education. You need to do away with it. Yeah, so if we change the system... That could help the f- the future, like the future, the future for the kids, right? Like, if we start start from the foundation, because it's clear if they're just giving everybody a student loan, it makes no sense. Oh, I, I know lots of people yeah. that were just like, oh, I signed these paper and I get money. They didn't know what the interest rates were. They didn't know what what happened over the life of the loan. They were just like, it was a very immediate need. Oh, I get money. It's going to solve my issue right now. Who cares what happens later on? I, I just think that. As a society, we need to be realistic about what our college costs us in opportunity costs moving outside of college.
college, right? We're all focused on, yeah, we get this great degree with all this debt and there's so much opportunity. But here's the thing. Right now, 2018, 2019, the average cost for a private school was $35,000. States, people for state residents was about 9,700 and public colleges for out of state was 21,000, right? So let's just take that private college, right? That's $143,000 for a four year education. And who gets it done in four years anymore? I mean, I mean, I, I, sure I, I, I did, do. I did. I, Lee, what were you? You were, you were what? I was about like, I took a little bit of a break, but that's probably like four to I, I four think years I'm, in a semester or something like that. Oh, okay. I, I was like five and a half for I, my, I, think I, I took a while. Are, yeah. A lot of people are at five. Yeah. And I, and I took decent loads. I wasn't, it wasn't like I, you know, I'd slacked off or anything. I was taking usually. But check this out. It's the math, right? 143,000 four year private school education. If you invested that 143,000 and got 8% rate of return over 40 years, you're at 3.1 million. That's, that's huge. Right? So like people are looking at it like, Oh, this is going to be endless opportunity for me. But, that there's an opportunity cost of that money that you spend. You have to think about that part too. Yeah, but most of them don't have that money. They're borrowing it. Yeah, they're part. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a student. They're borrowing it, but that is it's working against them. Oh yeah, it's like a yeah counter counterintuitive there. So what's the end game here, man? Like, I think I know there's a lot of a lot of people running with, you know, relieving the student debt. We bailed out the banks ten years ago, I think. Can we? Is there something similar that could happen? I I think that you know. Congress will think of something in terms of some sort of relief for the people that have debt. But like I said, the, the root problem needs to be solved. And I think it goes down to uh, making sure that these kids can't shoot themselves in the foot when they're 18 or 19 years old. When these kids apply and get a loan, there should be a mandatory educational course on how it works, how the interest works, what's going to go on for the life of the loan. And so then, you know, then they understand. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree, man. Let's talk about what parents can do now. And I think when a parent sends their kid to college, they think it's a great thing. But I think where we go a little bit wrong is that we're not guiding the kids enough in terms of what they want to do. I think there's a message out there that society thinks is amazing. Follow your dreams. And, you know, I'm not going to poo-poo that. I think you should follow your dreams, but to an extent, like I think there's following your dreams within reason. Right. And I think that too many parents are just saying, Oh, whatever you want to do. And they're not having a valuable discussion about like, all right, what do you want to do that you like, but also fits with your skills and abilities? Cause right now you have a lot of kids going to school and they're like, Oh, I need to get an education, but I don't know where I want it to lead. Right. And yeah. I think that's where parents need to start and just say, hey, let's have a conversation about what you want to do. How does it relate back to what you're good at? And can you make a decent living for it? So you want to crush their dreams. That's what Slightly. I'm hearing. <laughs> hey, you know, if I feel strongly about this, if your kid says, hey, I want to be the world's best philosophy major, you should slap your kid. Right? Well, so <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate here, man. I have a seven-year-old. If he comes to me when he's 16 and he's passionate about something, I'm going to tell him, be passionate about it, man. Like there's a lot of people working these jobs in these tech companies that hate their lives. They're yeah. not happy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's contributing to a lot of anxiety, stress, depression across our society. I, agree. I have to like, I hate to take this side, but like, I don't agree, man. Nah, that's, you know <laughs> what? And I, I hear what you're saying. And I'm saying that you should chase your dreams to a certain level. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. I'm saying like, let's, Go about what you're passionate. Let's do what you're passionate about, but within reason. Let's make sure you have the skills and abilities, right? So here's a perfect example, right? So back way when, when I was in school, I had this like awesome dream about, you know, starting a company that did ratings for local bars, right? So you could know what they were serving, how many people were there, girl to guy ratio. I, th- I thought it was a pretty good idea. Sounds like a good idea. Right? But here's the thing. And it was a good idea. But the thing is, I don't know jack shit about technology. I'm not going to be an engineer. Right? So I was barking up the wrong tree. And that's what I see too often is people, they have this dream, but you have to make sure you have the skills and abilities to go with. Right? And so I want people to follow their dreams, but I want to make sure that they're realistic dreams and that 
they have those skills and abilities, and it's a job that is going to serve them well in their future. I think it's about having all of that. So you, you're just basically saying that you want them to see the whole overview of the path in life they're going to take and exactly. then evaluate it. Yeah. Rather exactly. Than, I, I'm not... Because a lot of them visualize I'm not a dream killer, goal. Sergio. It sounds like you're a dream killer. I'm okay, maybe a little Dream bit. smasher, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I feel that, man. I, I think it's just... Sometimes people may take careers that might not be that financial rewarding down the road. Um, I do agree that it's good to get the whole picture. In your scenario, even though you weren't an engineer, like I could, I could argue that you could find a team of engineers and you could be the strategy. I could, but it would have costed a lot of money and resources that I didn't have. You'd be a billionaire now, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd be on Shark Tank. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk also about how we can afford this stuff, right? So let's start off on the right path by making sure that you have the right dream, right? The right path that you're going for. It starts there. But then how do you afford this, right? So community colleges. And here's something that I believe 10 years ago, if it's if you told people I went to a JC, you were looked at with disdain, right? Because like, what? This person went to a JC? Oh, they are beneath me. But here's the thing that's what's so interesting. Society has changed so much because now we have the student debt crisis. I think before it was like, oh, that's a JC person. There must be something wrong with them. I look at that now and I say that person Smart. probably worked their ass off to get where they're at. They didn't have – if you go to a, like a prestigious university, I say probably two things. You're quite possibly a moron for spending that much money. Or two, you had – your parents help you with yeah. everything, right? But if you went to a JC – I think it's like, wow, you took a reasonable route and you probably worked hard for it. So I, I think the percep the perspective has changed. What do you guys think? Well, I didn't know you felt that way when I went to West Valley. but <laughs> I, I held my, my uh, opinions inside. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's interesting because uh, I remember I never really thought that way, but I know there was that perception. Oh, yeah, yeah. J- right? JCs are looked J-C's as lesser. Perception. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But definitely. now it's like I hope my kids. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, financially, for me. <laughs> but yeah, it makes sense, man. Like, start with the JC and move on instead of being riddled with hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. Exactly. Well, and, and also, you know, just to piggyback on that, if if you're if you're an athlete, you know, JCs are a great move because, like, the re- the whole reason I went to West Valley was because their water polo team was awesome, and I played, you know, I played water polo in high school, yeah. and we en- we went ended up going and winning state championship both years I was there. So, you know, doors got open that way, too, with scholarships and stuff like that. And, you know, not not for me because I, I didn't go on past West Valley. I, I got a real job, worked <laughs> full time. It kind of sucked. But <laughs> Dude, water polo is insane, man. Treading water. like Yeah, it's a tough sport. But, it, you know, it's weird. When you when you play for so long, you don't even think about the treading water. <laughs> you know, Matt, everybody gets Matt tripped out about that. I enjoyed the Speedos. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the only reason. Yeah, Lee would send me a lot of derogatory sense. messages <laughs> when I was on the water polo team. Hey, Some we want to stay on the stuff. internet, remember? <laughs> Come on. So going back to community college. So they, right now, $3,660 per year. That's actually amazing when you look at the other numbers I gave. But here's the thing. In, in California now, if you're a graduating high school student, you decide to take a full load, you're free for two years really? if you're taking a full load. Isn't that amazing? Well, And also, too, the, what those community colleges do is they have programs with these four-year colleges where if you, you enter into this contract and you take these schools and you get a certain GPA, you're guaranteed in. And it's like, wow. that, that's pretty good. So- is that any any uh, junior college in California is now free? Yep, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, that's, that's how it should be. Thing. Yeah. So, Lee, what, what's out there for parents with kids who may, maybe they want to send them to the four year school? Is there like a, a product that you know of or something that they could they should be doing now? Well, there is, but I'll say first thing, let's make sure that you your kids are actually applying for grants and scholarships too, right? So first thing, let's look at how we can have an affordable route of college let's with that's not going to be crazy expensive kids need to be spending 15 hours a week applying for grants and scholarships right this is according to a student counselor a student counselor that i know at a local high school and he's fantastic he's one of the best he said on average the student the kids that he works with will get nine thousand dollars in grants and scholarships Right. That's Those, awesome. Yeah. That's just kids that he's working with on average, and they they can get a lot more than that. So. Did, did you guys get any scholarships or anything grants? No, I, I got I got one mushroom Mardi Gras. Yeah, <laughs> it was, I think it was like five hundred yeah, or a thousand or something. 
So, parents, if you see your kids play a lot of video games and spend a lot of late nights out in their senior year, I guess that's okay. But make sure that they're doing a little bit more to pay that bill, right? Just so a that's dream that's crusher, another man. Thing. Now you're gonna make the kid can't play video games. Can't go out at night. <laughs> dream crusher. We already agreed on this. I'm a dream crusher. <laughs> All right. So the one product we were talking about, an investment vehicle, is called a five two nine. Right. It's a tax advantage investment vehicle designed to encourage savings for future higher education costs. Right to the expense of the beneficiary. And uh, this money, you No disrespect, Miss Murphy. <laughs> it grows tax-free. Miss <laughs> Murphy terrifies me. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't use it for college, so books, uh, room and board, tuition costs, stuff like that, it gets a 10% penalty. But in an ideal world, parents set this up early, and that will help pay a huge chunk of that college for your kid, Right. In 2019, a person can give 15000 to a kid. So if it's husband and wife, you could gift your kid 30000 right? Or grandparents, you gift your kid 30000 put it in a 529. That's a great thing to do for your grandkid. Well, just, just to clarify, because I, I don't know too much about a 529, um, is there like a minimum amount? Or can you just throw like say because you know not everybody has thirty thousand you know what I mean like can somebody throw five hundred or a thousand or something like that you towards could, it you could put fifty dollars I've seen people do twenty five dollars and the thing is do you still regard that as a smart move though I do okay. I think because what people don't realize is the effect of compounding interest over time is amazing mm -hmm. right so yeah whatever you could do makes a huge difference a cool little thing I did some math if you ha had a baby. And your baby was due in nine months. One of the best things you could do is you could take $10,000 aside, put it in a 529 before this kid's born. Say it gets 8%. You, and you save maybe $100 a month, which isn't much. In 22 years, that would be $123,763. Is 8% typical? That seems like that's pretty good, right? I think that's a conservative amount, yeah. right? I think it's I think it's a doable amount. Uh but isn't that amazing? You know, just yeah. by some pre-planning. And so, yeah, but say, you know, when, when most people have start a baby, they, they don't got 10 grand. Yeah, I think, <laughs> like, yeah, realistically, man, like I think if, even if you started like but 500. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just little bits at a 50 time. 50 bucks a month. 50 bucks. It makes a big difference. Yeah. And, and it'll be there and you just pretend like that money's gone. And then all of a sudden yeah. when they're 18, 21, whatever. Even if it's whatever. like 20 grand when the kid turns 18. Yeah, that's, that's a huge. Nice chunk of change. God, I, I would, yeah, you know, I mean, if you, you would have had that help, you know, that would have been an amazing gift. So another thing that we did is we looked at colleges based off their ROI, return on investment. So what you paid for your college and what you earned 30 years after that. And I'll just read you guys off the top five. Number one, Sunny Maritime College. Number two, Colorado School of Mines. Three, Georgia Tech. Four, Massachusetts Maritime College. Five. South Dakota School of Mines and Tech. Wait, where's Harvard? Where's Princeton? Where's well, here's the funny thing, right? <laughs> this is a list of 50. There is no Yale. There is no Harvard. There is no Stanford. There is no Princeton. There is no Duke. There is no Cornell. Schools that you would think should be on this list are not on here. And I think it shows you that it really doesn't matter where you go. Well, are, are those, I mean, I've, I've never heard of those colleges before, but are, are they like, what, what, what are they? Because are they like kind of like a Heald or like a Phoenix no, or are, are they actually like schools and they're all, they all have different specialties, but you know, it just shows you that, I mean, Georgia Tech is a pretty yeah, big Georgia name Tech's school. Oh yeah, Georgia, yeah, Georgia, I've heard Georgia Tech. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of those other schools are just more technology based. They, you have a focus on technology. And I, I remember you were talking, we were talking about this earlier too, a little bit. And, and didn't you say Berkeley was on like the top 10? Cal Berkeley was, I believe, number eight. Eight. So that was one big name that actually made it in the top 10. That's interesting because, you know, Ber Berkeley's always been looked at as a really good school. And I mean, you know, up there with all them, especially but in what's the even more notable, world. Matt, hmm. number 20, San Jose State, baby. Woo! Oh, I thought, I thought, I thought you were going to say Lincoln Law School. No, no, actually a funny, <laughs> a funny story. Link, uh, Lee was so nice to send me a statistic one time that showed me that, uh, what was it? My, my law school was in the top five worst law schools <laughs> as ranked by Avo Sounds or like something. Yeah. It was a nice text message. Perfect. I was like, oh, I was friendly. just joking. <laughs> I'm just a dream crusher. Yeah. You guys know this. 
But, I mean, this has been an amazing discussion, guys. Yeah. So I think we can conclude that, you know, where you go to school, I really don't think it matters. Everything, all the research we've seen, there's nothing to conclude that it matters where you went to school. Yeah, and having been in SAC, like I can tell you that the listeners, nobody cares anymore that you went to Harvard. Nobody cares you went to whatever, insert college name here. Get an education. I think we all agree education's good. Yeah. No, no, 100%. I think, I think like one of the main takeaways from today is like be strategic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like think it out and think about what, what, what's your end game. And even though you might not exactly know what that is, you know, just start thinking about it. Yeah, man. And I'll end you guys with this. So going back to the career in college. This is a quote from Harvard Business Review. Employers like Google, Amazon, Microsoft have highlighted the importance of learnability, being curious, having a hungry mind as the key indicator of career potential. This is likely a result of the growing focus on employee training. One report shows U.S. companies spent $90 billion on it in 2017. Hiring people with curiosity is likely to maximize the ROI of these programs. Oh, yeah, because the people got to be teachable. I mean, when we're hiring attorneys, like, that's the main thing we look at. Will these people... That quote really resonates, man. Curiosity, a big part of my day, we're in meetings. We have to ask questions. We have to understand the processes and really deep dive and go back and forth. How good you are at taking tests and what your GPA is, it's it's all out the window. It doesn't matter. So that that, that quote's great, man. Um, Curiosity, asking questions... That makes that makes a ton of sense. Well, if you think about it, it's it's just kind of like you can't. These people can't have egos, and I think probably in the tech world you see it. Yeah. I definitely in the lawyer world, you know, I mean, most lawyers don't want to be told that you know their work sucks or it needs to be redone or something like that. You know, what I mean, or that they're wrong. And so you, you got to have that 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 like balance between curiosity and wanting to learn and just you know being teachable. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in today. This episode is coming to a close, but we're going to give you a sneak peek in what to expect if you tune in for our next episode. Sergio and I will be talking about money and relationships, how spouses need to treat their finances. Don't worry, babe. I won't talk about you. (laughs) (laughs) And our attorney, Matt, will be going to financial fails. He'll be talking about Harry and Sally. What is that again, Matt? It's about, well, the, the broad overview is about you know, owning, co-owning property with somebody that you're not married to and how you can get put in a really bad position. Sounds like an amazing topic. If you guys haven't yet, please subscribe to the show. Also, you can find us on Facebook forward slash the free retiree. You've been listening to the free retiree show. So long for now. Advisory services offered through RMP Advisory Services Incorporated, a registered investment advisor with the Securities Exchange Commission. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, W.FINRA.org, SIPC, W.SIPC.org, separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. The free retiree, RMP Advisory Services, and Securities America are separate entities. Career advisor Sergio Patterson and attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with RMP Advisory or Securities America companies. Securities America, RMP, Services Incorporated and its representatives do not provide any tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. Third-party sourced information and comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and may not be necessarily representative of all client audience experience. All or a portion of this event is paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Facebook, Inc. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castanet & Company.